My guest today is my friend and colleague, Nate Castillo. Nate's currently the Director of Enterprise Sales for CloudBolt Software, eight years of experience working in market-leading and growth technologies like Aruba Networks, Gigamon, and Panzura. Nate's also passionate about leadership and motivating young professionals to dream and go big with authenticity and passion. Nate lives in Newport Beach, California with his wife and 18-month-old son. When Nate's not solving complex problems with technology or spending time with his family, you can also find him surfing the Pacific Ocean or fly fishing streams and rivers along the western United States. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special Wednesday edition of Fresh Tech Fridays. I'm your host, Tom Gilsonen. Our guest today is the very talented Nate Castillo, who is currently the Director of Enterprise Sales for CloudBolt Software. Nate's joining us today from Newport Beach, and I'm uh, coming in hot from Arizona. So we're pushing the limits of work from anywhere and uh, work remote. So uh, Nate, how are you? How's it going? Doing great, Tom. And just wanted to say thanks again for having me on. It's you know awesome to be on here with you. You guys have always been good to me and glad we can get on here and, and chat a little bit. How are Absolutely. You Thanks for joining us. I'm doing well. I'm uh I'm trying out the work from anywhere thing. So I'm uh I'm in I guess Scottsdale, which is different than Phoenix. Yeah, how is Scottsdale right now? Any any polar vortex or anything like that? <laughs> no, no. It's like uh sixty something degrees. So it's like, you know, sweatshirt weather. It's quite nice out there. Can't complain. Yeah. Uh, it's super dry. So uh, you know, my epidermis is on fire, but I mean that just <laughs> kind of reminds me of traveling to Vegas, really. So, um, Nate, you joined CloudBolt uh, recently is a relative word, but somewhat recently. Um, yeah. Tell me um, why you joined them and when. Yeah, so I joined CloudBolt towards the end of last year, so beginning of Q4. And uh, for me, when I was looking at just kind of the cloud, you know, ecosystem, you know, I was looking at kind of how are, how are VCs investing, you know, in the middle of a pandemic? So, mm -hmm. you know, who, who's doubling down in the technology space, right? So obviously cloud management is a really hotly contested market. And I think seeing Insight, who's a principal investor of, of CloudBolt, you know, double down and acquire two other companies, bring in, you know, fresh management team. Um, in the middle of a pandemic, it just seemed like a great opportunity to jump in growth area for sure in the market. And, you know, it is noisy, but you know, I love the technology that we bring. I think it really mm -hmm. different, differentiates, you know, us and our approach to cloud management because that's a, it's a broad term, man. <laughs> so, yes. Um, so yeah, that was kind of the opportunity that I saw. And uh, I, I'm responsible for growing revenues just kind of out in the Southwest region um, mm -hmm. of the U.S. So that's that's what I'm on about at, at CloudBolt. And tell me, um, tell me a little bit about your journey and how you ended up there. You are you from Orange County originally? How'd you yeah. get into tech? Give me the give me the rundown. How, how'd you end up here now? Yeah, so born and raised in Orange County, uh, in Newport, Costa Mesa area, and. Um, yeah, I grew up around tech. So my dad is like, you know, been in tech for 30, 30 years now. Um, he actually worked for Calpana, which is the first switch manufacturer that Cisco acquired. Oh, right? wow. Okay. So I remember as a kid, maybe like 10 years old, you know, in the bring your son to work day or bring your daughter to work day, you know, sitting in the Cisco offices and, you know, just checking it out. And I remember, you know, my dad will tell me stories now, like he was on the same team as Chuck Robbins, you know, on the oh, channel wow. side, you know, working together. And so, you know, it's cool to kind of track that along, but it definitely influenced me getting my professional career started, you know, in technology. And um, 
I started out uh, working in the data center and you know in virtualization primarily. So working for Avar, you know, out here in Cerritos, California, and you know, great opportunity to learn different technologies. What is virtualization? How how is it valuable to a business? Not just from a technical standpoint, but from a business value, right? And then kind of extending into the networking realm of things, right? Jumping over to Aruba, who's a you know now industry leader, you know, in networking, and then Gigamon as well. And and obviously, you know, we've re- interacted at kind of each of those iterations of my career, and continue to do more and more with with DZ, and you know, love love what you guys bring to the table too. So it's uh it's definitely been a, a journey, but you guys have been you know part of it the last four years or so. Yeah. All right. So you said that you joined end of last year. So what was it like? Did it did it was it a difficult decision to like change careers in the middle of all this? Um, did that help influence your decision? Um, did did you feel like that maybe made the tech you're working with now at Cloudbolt more relevant, less relevant? Like, tell me yeah. a little bit about how that affected you. Yeah. So COVID, um, you know, just going through the whole business. I'll, I'll break it down from a business standpoint and then kind of technology. So like. Just interacting with people, obviously that's changed. We've we've gone to the whole Zoom thing, which you know, five hours of Zoom every day—that's it's exhausting. Tough. Yeah, <laughs> that's a tough tough grind. But for me, um, it's it's been leveraging technology to help shorten that gap in the meantime. So I've been doing a lot more video. Um, I know in my interviews and you know even just initial introductions to customers and things like that, it's it's all done through video. So kind of building out my skill base, you know, around that has been a, a big thing. But I think uh, just from a, a technology standpoint, yeah, like we knew cloud was growing. I know Gartner put out a prediction of, you know, $360 billion in spend in, in infrastructure as a service by 2022, right? So that's a big number. We're almost, and I think with COVID, they, they could raise it a little bit. I think we're almost at half a trillion in yeah. spend, you know, by next year. We've seen that in in. in in market as well. So customers are, are not just looking at, you know, a single cloud provider or, you know, moving, you know, workloads, just, just the one they're looking at multiple. And, and um, you know, that's become a big problem from a management uh, standpoint. So not just, you know, the spend, but also managing multiple interfaces. It's just a big technical gap that mm-hmm. people need to fill either with expertise in-house or partners like yourself. Right. So whatever that mix is, it really just depends you know on the organization. So what we've been trying to do um, and have been successful at doing is just meeting customers at their, you know, wherever they're at in their journey, right? Some might be really deep, you know, in the weeds, you know, in several different technologies, um, you know, deploying containers as well as, you know, leveraging things like Ansible Tower and other automation tools, right? So looking at that whole ecosystem, how can we, you know, come in and, and provide value, you know, across all that, right? So that's that's been the focus since COVID, it, and I think it's been a good thing because it, it nets out to be a better experience uh, for customers. But you're getting more value out of the investments you are making, I think, mm-hmm. in response to all of this, right? Um, so that's just from a technology pr- perspective. Cloud continues to accelerate. You know, security is is a priority, but I think you know, kind of where I see see, see things going, and I'll know we, we'll get into this is you know, putting some financial parameters around cloud, because that's one of the big drawbacks, right? Has been, uh, the power has been in the hand of the developer <laughs> for a period of time uh-huh. uh, in cloud 1.0. And now we're trying to see, you know, okay, of that investment we're making within whichever cloud provider you have, you know, how are we maximizing our business value of that investment? So that's one one area that we we focus on in our, our portfolio is maximizing that business investment. And it's all custom based off of the metrics that the customer cares about, because, mm-hmm. you know, Everyone's business is different. And so that's how we tailor our approach. 
Yeah. What's it been like for you personally? Like, how's yeah. it? I mean, I mean, other than the obvious, right? You haven't been out much, et cetera, et cetera. But, but how are you? Yeah. How are you coping with this? Whatever it is, you know, almost twelve months in now. Yeah, I mean, it. I've been taking on a lot of new hobbies. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I have an 18 month old, you know, too. So it it's, you know, it's, it's tough. My wife works, you know, part-time as well. So just balancing, you know, our workloads as well as, you know, raising a kid all at home, you know, for a period of time, all the parks were closed. Yes. <laughs> I remember. All, luckily that's all opened up. Um, mm. And so from a personal standpoint, I'm, I've been, you know, blessed to say it hasn't impacted me significantly. Um, but you know, I have been, you know, working, you know, with my community as well as mentoring a bunch of people and pivoting their careers. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot of that happening right now is we all kind of reset, you know, and, and evaluate, you know, what is next? And for some, you know, that's having more time with family. And for others, you know, that could be repivoting and doing a whole new career it just depends. <laughs> so but for me personally, it's been it's been all right. Yeah, tough time to be in hospitality, especially if you're in California and New York. I mean, not a yeah. Not an easy time to own a restaurant or, I mean, I've definitely been trying to make a point to like, you know, takeout food isn't always the best from like some restaurants are better suited for it than others. But I've been trying to make a point to like, if I really like a restaurant, make sure I get at least a few takeout orders from them. You know, I don't know what the percentage is in in L.A. County of restaurants that have closed permanently, but it's got to be it's got to be pretty high. So something we've been doing as a community just in Newport, like there's a group of us and we'll we'll do a kind of like a mob approach where we'll pick a restaurant. Everyone will go and just for the full day, spend as much money as they can, whether it's a, you know, um, a restaurant or, you know, some dry cleaning service or just a handyman looking for work. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's been cool to see not even like a government program or anything, but like uh-huh. an actual community driven response and supporting, you know, some of these people. So it's been fun, you know, part that's, of, you know, some of those things too. But, that's really cool. How's yeah. like, how did you guys, how do you organize that? Like, tell me a little bit more about how that works. Yeah. So, you know, there's obviously churches around that are, you know, doing things like that and, and, and aligning services, but really, you know, it just came from caring about some of these individual relationships you build, right? And a part of being a good friend is, mm-hmm. is you know, rallying the networks that we all have, right? So as a community, it's cool to see that just naturally happen. It didn't yeah. really orient around a single leader, but you're seeing these types of things happen, right? I don't know if you heard of the Barstool Fund. Um, no. I've also Barstool Sports. So Dave Portnoy got called out because he's, you know, when IPO with his company. You know, he's very overnight. successful. Yeah. And uh, they said, hey, put your money where your mouth is. And he created this fund. And so any any business can go apply. And I think they raised like some something like you know, 10 or so million so far to just help small businesses, right? So you see those things happening and, you know, just out of, you know, generosity on micro scales and, and you know, mass scales. So it's not all just relying on a government program, you know, yeah. to help people out. And you see pockets of that, you know, throughout Orange County, which has been I think one of the silver linings in all this is people just stepping up in that way. Yeah. Yeah. It is nice to see some, I mean, not that I don't always believe in it, but you know, I'm a bit cynical from time to time and I think it's nice to see, you know, people step up and, and help each other out it is really cool. Yeah. So I, I mean, when I just look at this time, like it's easy to be negative and point out all the excuses. And one thing I try and catch myself on is like using this framework that I call just being a chief encouragement officer. Right. Whether you're at any point of leadership, you know, in any organization or, you know, any, any business, you, you have 
the opportunity to build people up and encourage them. And within that word encouragement is the word courage, right? You're putting courage into other people to go do big things, right? And I think there's just too many people or it's too easy for human nature to just focus on the negative without yeah, bringing in that good. So Agreed, 100%. I think it's always easier to be, at least for me, I can only speak for myself, but it's always easier to be cynical than to be positive. And so I try to put a lot of effort into that. Oh, you're positive, well. Tom. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm positive. <laughs> um, so how many like how many employees at CloudBolt? Where are they based? Um, what's your team look like? Based in Maryland, we're 200 employees today. Um, most of them are engineers and developers. Okay. Um, split between, you know, we have two, you know, headquarters, one on the in the northeast of Maryland, and then one kind of pseudo headquarters in Portland. Right? Okay. So development team, you know, spread across there. But, you know, through the acquisitions we've made, we've expanded our teams out into APAC. So in Australia, you know, we got a, you know, significant team out there. So it, it's cool to you know, see how much growth just within, you know, the six months I've been mm-hmm. <laughs> at Cloudbolt. But, but um, yeah, there's just tons of expectations of this, this area. And, you know, the team is predominantly engineer, you know, heavy, and then we keep, you know, a few, a few sales folks and pre-sales folks. Mm-hmm. Um, What's the, um, you guys got any openings in Australia? I'll do it, man. <laughs> no, nah, so we, uh, we did a big round of hiring last year with the new management team coming in. That was the big you know, strategic focus. And now we have, we have the team, the A team. Mm-hmm. Um, my boss is a big, big Lakers fan. And so he, he makes a lot of comparisons. We're building the Lakers here. Um, gotcha. He's not quite Phil Jackson yet. He's getting there. <laughs> but, but yeah, I was like, hey, yeah, I'll be your Anthony Davis. Let's do this. And uh, Well, you can't yeah, be LeBron. Maybe you're LeBron though, you know? No. No, uh, I'm not going to be that, that. I'm not going to put that on myself. But it's too but modest. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. only Anthony Davis. <laughs> I'm no LeBron, right? Yeah, All but right. the company in itself just is getting ton- like we were just awarded a Deloitte Fast 500 tech company for the second year in a row, and that's Congratulations. based purely on growth, right? And we're consistently awarded, you know, the Gartners and the IDCs of the world and, and Research 451 all, you know, give us really high marks. It's just our, our big thing is, is you know, brand recognition, right? And getting getting uh, the solution out, out to market. And that's part of part of what I'm focused on, right? Yep. Yeah. Which is like, I know it's, it, it is a little tough when, you know, traditional field marketing events are basically canceled permanently. Or indefinitely, I shouldn't say permanently, that's the wrong word, but until further notice, how's that, right? I mean, like, there's not going to, you're not going to be having an indoor executive dinner or taking people to sporting events or, you know, things like that. And as far as I know, you know, our corporate clients, I mean, even the ones that have some sort of like gradual return to work in the office plan, I haven't even seen a plan for people who are not like W2 employees of the company to come into whatever the business or office space is. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I don't even know when that's, when do you, th- if you had to guess, like how long do you think it is before you and I go meet with a customer in person? There, It, it depends. I mean, if, if it's an outdoor setting, you know, I've had a, a couple, you know, coffees and, you know, outdoor lunches with, with people that are, you know, comfortable, but it typically, you know, it's a tough question and it's all based off of your, your individual risk too. Mm-hmm. But I think um, 
you know, my expectation is, you know, we have the vaccine rolling out. Um, you know, we have, uh, I think a million or so people a day are getting vaccinated is, is the metric. And I think once the Johnson and Johnson, you know, one comes out, we'll be upwards of 3 million a day. So if you, if you just, you know, do some of the math, I think maybe mid summer, late summer, yeah, we'd see things really opening up, but you know, it, it's really, you know, large venues, big concert halls. Yeah. I don't know about that. We'll, yeah. we'll see. Yeah. Um, but I do look forward to the day and getting uh, back into a Laker game with you guys or yeah. going out um, and seeing the team again. Yeah, I'm so sad for – I mean, I'm a big baseball fan. And I don't – Yeah. I mean, I don't know – I don't know when that's going to happen. I mean, in terms of like a fully packed baseball stadium, it seems like it's going to be – I guess at least for the most part that's outside, whereas mm-hmm. – La- I mean – Lakers is, is inside, but I don't know. Yeah. Man. And, I yeah. mean, it's it's forced me and just all of us to get more creative, you know, in mm-hmm. the way we approach customers and you know provide value in the in those interactions. It's it's hard to get a lot done in thirty minutes. That seems to be the the new Zoom format, right? Is yes. thirty minute block. But uh, I do look forward to having you know those those boardroom meetings again, where we can get you know strategic. That's that's some of my favorite parts about this job is, is getting introduced to the strategic layer and having those discussions about, you know, what are the problems we're facing and how are we going to put a process in place to solve it? Right. Um, yep. That's, that's stuff I love, but it would, it would be like magic in a boardroom. Um, yeah. now, now it's a little bit of a challenge, but I think with technology, you know, you look, you look at what the restaurants have done, you know, yeah. building outdoor dining, you know, we need to be as creative as those guys. Those guys That's inspire me, you know, like I need to go step up and try a couple. You know, that is things. actually a great analogy. There's a restaurant that Marley and I like to eat at. That's it's kind of just barely walking distance. You know, it's about like mile, mile and a half from our place. And, you know, they'll let us sit with the dog if we're outside. And they've always had a little bit of outdoor dining, like yeah. say like three or four tables in the front. Right. But the back is the parking lot and they're the only restaurant in this it's not exactly a strip mall, but it's a building that has multiple businesses, all of which are shuttered except for this restaurant. Yeah. So they they built like, I mean, it's like an outdoor dining room. There's like, they have lighting out there. Like, yeah. I mean, like semi-permanent. They put like uh, those fake hedges up, you know. Um, and yeah, to use that as the analogy, that's kind of, I think, how we all. To do that, I mean, it just shows not just the creativity, but the just the industriousness, <laughs> right? Um, and that's, it's nice to see that, right. Despite everything going on and how everything's shifting, you know, mm-hmm. in all, all arenas, it's like still seeing that human spirit <laughs> battle yeah. it out. Um, I love seeing that, man. Yeah. The level of determination specifically by like LA County restaurants is it's incredible. Um, yeah. And there's like no sidewalk space in LA. Like, I don't know yeah. how, like when you do outdoor dining, like you have to do it in a parking lot. There's nowhere to walk. Even yeah even in normal times. So it's just crazy. In but. Santa Monica, they let the restaurants uh, reclaim some of the metered spots. So it's oh. like, it's a little crazy if you're like riding a bicycle or something. It's <laughs> like, you're like right up against, yeah. you know, but I mean, they, they've got to do it. And a lot of these places, I mean, even if they return to, for example, 25% of the dining room, so I worked in restaurants for eight years and I never ascended super high. I don't have a business degree, but I was involved yeah. in like, back of the house management. So I understand the basics of how operate, you know, the economics of like a small to mid-sized restaurant work. Yeah. And like the only way to make those places work is to be full all the time. Right. right? Turning bills. Yeah. Yeah. 25% on Friday nights, not getting there. So I love that they built 
you know, excess capacity. I think that's great. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see where we're at um, after all this. If outdoor, like I can see outdoor dining still being a big part, you know, of all you this. know, and if, we'll you know, if you, I'm sure you've traveled to Europe or, I mean, that is like big in lots of other cultures, but yeah. here it's not that big, which is surprising because the weather is so good. You think there'd be more of that. So hopefully, yeah, like, I don't think it would be a bad thing if even once things return to normal or the new normal or whatever you want to call that, if there was right. still more diners in front of every restaurant, I always found that to be something appealing too. you walk by, you see what somebody's snacking on, you know, and you're like, Hey, let me <laughs> yeah. go in there and see what's going on. You know? Yeah. So, Hey, tell us a little bit. Um, and I know it's like a deep and wide and complex topic, but at, at a high level, give us a summary of um, what exactly CloudBolt does for those that are, are interested. Now, I know that you that you have some reporting tools so that customers that are using one or multiple public cloud providers can get some cost analysis and help with their decision making process about maybe they want to move, move workflows, et cetera, et cetera. Give us a little bit yeah. more detail on, on how that works. Yeah, so there's... There's three big problems, you know, just as a result of cloud 1.0, we'll say, with Intuit and, you know, some of these early adopters that brought scale, mm -hmm. right? Some of the big problems, you know, I kind of already hinted at where, you know, it shifted the power in the organization to the developer, right? Um, so now they had all access to, you know, any resource they wanted, you know, across, um, you know, these cloud infrastructure providers with a swipe of a credit card procurement, security, had no yeah. way to govern these things. Out the window, yeah. And so there's been a constant tension within departments, you know, that have traditionally been siloed and kind of checking and balancing one another. Um, so what we really work on is not just addressing the technical issue there, but the cultural business problem of that tension and, and kind of creating a, you know, a team. Some call it a DevOps team. Some call it a FinOps team is the new term, right? Mm -hmm. um, but really, yeah, the the... First use case we start with, and the most basic one is, is around visibility into cloud, right? So being you know able to collect and see all your VM images across infrastructure, not just in AWS or Azure or GCP, but also in VMware, you know, and some other on-prem technologies like Nutanix, right? Um, so having you know visibility across the stack there with a single pane is obviously a level of value because if you try and you know manage them independently, you know you're going to run into issues with you know having enough expertise in house you know mm -hmm. to manage across all those platforms, right? And who's who's checking you know governance of these things from a security and financial perspective? Typically, you know, no one, and it's done retroactively after the fact. So. Getting some dashboards in front of the executives so you have full visibility is, is a great place to start. Um, the next problem, you know, you you, you already hit at is, is around cost optimization, right? So you you see this growing cloud spend, right? That's growing exponentially. Um, like I said, 360 billion by 2022. So how, how can organizations not just get ahead of it and not just manage costs, but ensure each dollar that's spent is returning some level of business value? And then getting the metrics to see, okay, is this a high value investment or is this going to be a low value investment? Not just how is it distributed across my team and, and different functional groups. Um, so it's it's really leveraging the value of cloud, not just cloud as a cost center, right? Mm -hmm. um, so we look at metrics like CPU utilization, memory utilization, network IO. We can abstract license, um, you know, OS details, and we can start breaking things out and comparing it to a level of cost, right? 
And so once you have that visibility, then, then you can do some interesting things. Where it really gets powerful is, is, is around, you know, creating a culture around this concept of FinOps, right? Because FinOps is, a, is essentially a, f- a framework that's built onto what everyone's called cost optimization. And it's this principle of unit economics, right? Attaching some level of, you know, cloud metric cloud spend metric to a business metric that matters to you. And that could be accelerating a developer pipeline. It could be um, accelerating a a movie production timeline, right? It could be, you know, any number of of those types of metrics. And, you know, that's, that's really around, you know, our cost optimization, you know, capability. So it's a full SaaS, you know, soft software product, and it requires least privilege access to an environment. So security teams like that, and you don't also need to spin on, spin up a bunch of expensive services within these cloud providers to run analytics and all these things. So in that way, you know, we can partner, you know, really easily. We do offer these free cost assessments, you know, to get started, right? Which is a good way to get a snapshot. It's like getting your blood work done. You know, okay. it's, a good, it's a good snapshot of your health. But if you want to continually check and really, you know, get in this thing, maybe go get a, a Fitbit or a Garmin watch or, you know, and really start monitoring your health over a period of time, right? And that, mm-hmm. that's essentially what we, we try and do with, with cost optimization. And then the third thing I'll just mention real quick is around this integration problem within cloud. Right. So not only do I have all these different infrastructure providers, but I have solar winds. I have, you know, an IPAM. I have backup machines, backup devices, and all these need to, you know, intercommunicate. And oh, not to mention, I'm also running Ansible and Terraform and, you know, all these other types of CMPs. So we have a, an integration layer that will create a single kind of um, integration interface or a repository for you to store, you know, things like custom code that is often used. And so it'll help with that integration, managing that integration, but also, you know, keep your teams organized in that integration, which can be a challenge. Like you you write this script or you build out this custom code to this integration, the infrastructure changes and the engineer that wrote it or the developer that wrote it is no longer at the company, right? What do you do? You rewrite, you know, and that's a big technical debt that that people need to overcome. So the three areas, you know, just the visibility, cost optimization, and integration are the three problem areas we're focused on. So, Gotcha. Yeah. What was the – so I'm sure you've met with tons of people and heard tons of feedback from your prospects and customers. What is the most unexpected thing that a customer has told you so far? Like tell me about like, you know, the like the – you know what I mean? You go in, you're given a specific presentation, you're expecting specific feedback. What's the most unexpected thing that's happened? Yeah, I think um, <laughs> there was a funny one that we actually did with you guys. Um, I won't name you know the prospect, but we were going through a demonstration of you know our, our visibility capabilities as well as some of the cost optimization. And in the middle of it, the, uh, the director of technology stopped us and just said, you know what, you guys are going to make me cry. This is going to make... <laughs> my life and my team's lives, you know, so much easier. And I know that's just like, you know, something nice for a salesperson to say, but to hear that, yeah. you know, really gives me encouragement, like, oh, we're on to something. Yes. This, is, this is, you know, a real problem. And so much so before we even got, you know, done with, you know, the demo, the guy said he was going to cry. <laughs> yeah. So I've never had that happen where a grown man <laughs> cried after a demo. But <laughs> Hey, there's a first time for everything. Yeah. I mean, what I think is kind of cool about, you know, obviously there's lots of people trying to do what you're doing, but you guys seem to be headed in the correct direction of, I mean, eventually, right? Like the 
the Holy Grail and, and possibly we'll never make it to this destination. But the ultimate journey is intelligent enough software that it gather this, gathers this intelligence and it has some AI cognitive ability to go, hey, based on the parameters provided by the customer, I'm going to just go ahead and move this workflow. Now, I've seen you know, tiny little apps like this. Uh, one of our customers, for example, uses it to go out on the market and find uh, free compute cycles for uh, HPC stuff, right? Where it really doesn't matter which cloud it's in. It cost optimizes, goes out, reassembles the final product. But yeah. I mean, when we get to the point where we could do that with, you know, VMs or containers or whatever the, you know, iteration, microservices, whatever you want to call it, whatever yeah. is hot at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, what I think is excited about exciting about that is if you think about public cloud is often compared to utilities, right? Yep. And one of the problems with the power company is wherever you live, there's only one. What's so cool about cloud is now you can choose between three power companies. However, they're not regulated in the same way as power companies. So they can, of course, yeah. adjust the costs on a whim. But to get to the point where we can move this stuff, you know, dynamically based on either, you know, performance requirements or cost optimization. I mean, it's, you guys are already, you're already gathering all the data yeah. and, connect, and connecting to all the internal tools and the external cloud sources. You know, yeah. I'd, love, I'd love to see five or 10 years from now, I think that's what's going to be like really, really awesome. I, I mean, I, th- I think we're, we're in there within that time frame, within five years for sure. Because like we can get most of the way there with automation today, mm-hmm. right? with what we have in automation and the extensibility across all these different infrastructure providers and tools. Yeah. It gives us a nice spot to be in, you know, to leverage automation, not just, you know, for cost optimization and right sizing and some of these things, but also, mm-hmm. you know, just to create an environment for self-service, yep. right? That's the holy grail, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I hear customers now kind of calling it an event-driven architecture where an event happens, there's a series of policy that's applied and a series of automation actions take place before a human steps in and does anything, right? Yep. And and AI, you know, filling in that, that piece, and that, you know, it could be a little bit before we get that far, but I think AI is definitely going to help, you know, from the provisioning, the security, you know, all these different things. Um, so that's definitely something I'm excited to see um, yeah. and, and you know, get ahead of myself because um, I think it's going to be disruptive, disruptive, but it's also going to help validate the markets even more. It's not going to displace, you know, a bunch of markets. So we'll see how that all shakes out yeah. know, in the long term, but I, I echo that excitement. I mean, it also could provide some, I mean, some resilience where if you've got, let's say, a super important application as, and I mean, there's some incentive on the parts of public cloud providers to make portability difficult. But the good news is like the whole cloud thing was created on the idea that things are democratic. You're not stuck anywhere. So, you know, uh, sort of vendor agnostic, or at least that was the stated philosophy. So I really feel like the, the market, right? customers, people that are using this stuff are not going to tolerate. There's got to continue to be more and more portability. Yeah, Yeah, I think I I was just thinking, you know, along those lines, you know, we've we've kind of wrapped around the centralized model, centralizing, Mm -hmm. you know, compute and storage in the cloud. But when you see what's going on with the times that we're in, in the deplatforming of services from Mm -hmm. AWS and some of these other providers based on no legal, you know, thing that we can really track but more so from a mob Mm -hmm. mentality i think as a business owner that would be a a concern right 
and yeah. you put in your data infrastructure and all of a sudden, you know, because it's centralized, you, you don't have access based on the times that you're in or the industry yep. you're in, right? Um, so a, a decentralization of compute mm-hmm. and storage. I don't know if that's something with blockchain or something like that, but I, I would be, you know, excited because I think there is a need, you know, for mm-hmm. decentralized storage and, and compute and creating that infrastructure for these applications that are critical, right? And you don't want to take that risk. Yeah. Um, not have all your eggs in one basket, yeah. digitally speaking. Right. All right. You said blockchain, so you just like kicked the door open. So let's just... <laughs> Let's just get down to brass tacks here. I mean, yeah. are you or are you not holding any GameStop? Just give GameStop. Just give it to me straight. Yeah, no, no GameStop for me. No AMC. No AMC. I okay. um, but I I do uh love love crypto. You know, okay. I have had some you know friends and ex teammates from college get in. You know, in a good good time. Um, probably around twenty twenty twelve was when someone wow. got in. I got in myself in 2016 mm-hmm. um, and was an idiot during <laughs> the rise in 2018. And, and there was a lot of hype. So, you know, there's still a lot of regulation and things that need to come in mm-hmm. um, to help solidify this market. But I think Tesla coming in and dropping 1.5 billion. That and, that didn't uh, hurt. Yeah. yeah. And, and then, uh, MicroStrategy, right? Also, didn't they yeah. buy a whole bunch of Bitcoin? Yeah. yeah, and then and then Bank of New York Mellon, which is the oldest bank you know in the U.S., mm-hmm. um, put out a strategic you know uh, initiative to adopt or carry assets, crypto assets, right, gotcha. for, their, for their customers. So, quick aside: DZ yeah. Solutions, Cloudbolt, Nate Castillo, and Tom Gilsonen are not licensed brokers and do not provide investment advice. All right. Yes. Please, yeah. please continue. Thanks, thanks for clarifying that. Just get that disclaimer out there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. Nice. Um, it's definitely, you know, one of the things I'm excited about in terms of new innovation. I love mm-hmm. the commercialization of space that we're seeing, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, to have countries drive most of the innovation for a period of time with the U.S. and Russia during the Cold War. And to see us kind of like taper back, but now from a private standpoint, step in and, you know, start taking that leadership role again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's awesome to see you know entrepreneurs stepping up seems like uh bill gates is the only tech billionaire self-made billionaire that's not into space right bezos has yeah. it's called blue something and i can't blue, remember blue the name. Origin, yeah yeah then uh musk and of course branson right allegedly started virgin america now alaska airlines of course um yeah but yeah. allegedly started Virgin America so that he had a conduit to create Virgin Galactic, which I think that thing is still is still moving forward. I don't still know. Still chugging along. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. You know, definitely it just raises my curiosity of what is that world going to look like? And I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, we're not too far off. It definitely within our lifetime where we're going to start seeing some interorbital uh, tourism. Right. Yeah. But I don't know what you got to do to get on that list, man. I'd love to be on that list. Yeah, I, I think I think it's going to require being money. Six five, being six five, I don't think I could fit in any of the seats that they have. But that's right. <laughs> I didn't realize. You know, I've met you a few times. I didn't realize you were that tall. Yeah, like, you're a tall yeah. drink of water, man. Yeah. So we're yeah. gonna. They'd have to. Uh, I don't know. You'd have to get yourself a bigger rocket, I guess. Yeah. No, no sports cars for me. Yeah. But. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm uh, I'm driving a Mini Cooper right now. It's a long story that we don't have time to get into, but yeah. uh, I'm six foot and I look like a clown getting out of that thing already. <laughs> like getting out of a clown car. Yeah, 
I'd love to see it. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) Love it. Um, so, Hey, other than sounds like you're, you're big into crypto, no GameStop. Sorry to hear about that. I don't, I also do not have any GameStop, but yeah, um, you don't hold me. (laughs) No, I'm like, I'm like, uh, I think if you just shorted every stock move that I ever made, you'd probably be very well. (laughs) Never. Yeah. Yeah. You're the buy high, sell, sell low strat. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I spend most of my time trying to catch a falling knife, you know, um, What uh, any other trends in um, technology or innovations in general that interests you? Anything else you're following? Sounds like space is big. Yeah, obviously, you know, AI is, is another one that's you know question mark. I I I'm exploring that. I, I think just for me, what I'm excited about is just getting deeper in what what already exists. You know, like you know, as a salesperson, you know, we're all busy, you know, in, in focusing on our our main target, which is, you know, driving incremental revenue for our, mm-hmm. for our company, but also, you know, how do I understand, you know, the environment that I'm operating in? So picking up some skills, like learning some Python at a basic level, right? Something that I, you know, want to invest in. And then most re- recently in the short term, I just did a FinOps, FinOps Foundation came out with a, a good course for you to go through a certi- certification process mm-hmm. on how to be a, just a FinOps practitioner. And I know we've seen kind of the, like I said, the rise of cloud, but to see, you know, what does it take from a cultural standpoint? What are the things that certain companies, you know, have done successfully? And those people are all a part of this foundation and wrote this material, right? So it's a great industry trend that I, I could just see us eliminating more waste. Um, another thing that's just kind of up with the times too is, you know, optimizing for green, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, utilization of cloud and, and those types of resources. So you're going to see, you know, not just around performance and cost and all these things, but how are we driving towards these other goals that are important, you know, that society holds major yeah. issues, right? You know, yeah. automated driving, that'll be cool. Um, yeah, it, it's a fun time to live from a technology perspective because there's so feel like we're living in the early stages of those sci-fi movies we would all watch. Yeah. Um, and, and it's right there. We still got a little ways to go. So I think we're lucky, man. It's awesome. Yeah. I had kind of a front row seat from like a computer being something that was like the size of a refrigerator to being able to do anything you wanted with your phone. Yeah. And I feel like that was like a whole generation. I was born in the 70s, right? So there were no computers. There were there were probably cell phones in 1974, but I certainly didn't see one until then. Yeah late yeah. 90s right so it'll be cool to see what happens in this generation like that was very much the generation of the hardware needs to get smaller and faster and now i think it's like that problem has been for the most part solved yeah and now it's uh what can we do with all this powerful hardware like what kind of software can we write and i mean the like the hardware is it's like one piece of it, but just how, like just in the Wall Street bet stuff that you were talking about, like with Reddit, all the information that's out there, yeah. it's like you can, for very little cost, go get really deep technically mm-hmm. <laughs> in a whole number of areas, whether you're getting an EDX course, like you can go listen in on a Harvard class. Yes, right? that's right. Um, and, and get really deep. So the the bar of knowledge that's dropped, you know, is is amazing. And you see, you know, all this disruption. So one that I saw most recently around social media that was this concept of bring your own bring your own algorithm, right? So you have your own individual identity wrapped in an algorithm, right? Think of it like a, maybe a, a blockchain of sorts, right? Or a smart contract that you hold. And going into Facebook, rather than than them holding all this data on you. You attach and open, extend your API or whatever, and they have access to your algorithm and, you know, some information about you, right? 
So taking that that ownership, you know, privacy again and putting it into a smart contract, but being able to bring it into any service, you know, that you want in this ecosystem of the internet mm-hmm. and and kind of I, I like that that idea of taking ownership back. Yeah. You know, a little bit. Still a lot to get proven out there, right? A lot of things need to get laid out from mm-hmm. a from a technology standpoint. But that's the way this generation is thinking. And it's just like it's just a totally different level, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and it's fun to, to witness and kind of ride along some of it too. So, well, um, I guess we're getting ready to wrap up here and I, I know now I know you have an 18 month old. Um, what do you have on tap for this weekend? Yeah. So I get, um, I get to watch and hang out with my son on Saturdays. Um, it's specific, you know, dad and son time. So I'm going to take him. There's a couple like tide pools here along Uh the coast within, Corona Del Mar. So I'm going to take them along and adventure in those and check out, you know, what's going on there. And then on the side, I've been running, training a marathon because I suck at running. Oh, really? Okay. And so I, I just want to do more things that I suck at and just get a little bit better. Right. So, um, I do my long runs typically on Sunday. And Mm so I'm kind of dreading a little bit about my long run, but some people love them. Some people hate them. I'm a big tall dude so it's not not the most fun how uh how far are you going on sunday yeah so i i owe 11 miles on sunday yeah that's good man you're gonna feel great after i love doing that stuff you're gonna feel great afterwards you know do you uh do you listen to music do you listen to podcasts what do you what do you do on the long runs i've been i've been trying to keep my headphones out Mm-hmm. as much as i can but then yeah when i need a little push i'll throw in a you know a song or yeah i also have been doing a lot of audiobooks okay so what i'm listening to now is uh principles by ray dalio it's another business book oh i'll have to check it out um he's a big hedge fund guy mm-hmm. so uh that's been good um but yeah it's it's whatever gets me gets me through that workout man yeah yeah that's yeah. a couple hours right there that takes you yeah. a while so yeah cool well, well nate I really appreciate you doing this, man. Thank you very much. Hey, Tom, again, thank you for having me, man. And, you know, appreciate the opportunity for, uh, for being on here with you. Absolutely. We'll see you soon. And, um, yeah, again, really appreciate your insight. Had a great time. Um, I know it's not the weekend yet, but have a good weekend when it arrives. Thanks for joining us on this very special Wednesday edition of Fresh yeah. Tech Fridays. And, uh, hey, man, we'll, we'll catch you on the flip side. We'll see you guys soon. And uh, for all those out there listening, this is uh, Tom G signing off. Everybody have a great weekend. Thanks again for joining this week's episode of Fresh Tech Fridays. I'm your host, Tom Gilsonen. I want to thank Jason Johnson for composing our theme music, RSPE, and especially Russ for help with some engineering and equipment, Dell Technologies for helping sponsor some episodes of the podcast, Kayla Robeson DZ Solutions Marketing Director for helping make this all possible. And last but not least, our fearless audio engineer, Jeff Rockland, engineering from afar. If you want to learn more about Jeff and his projects, I encourage you to check out his Relief Valve podcast that you can find wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks again, and see you next time.